Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. We're starting a new series of messages today called Par for the Course. And if you're not a golfer, that's totally okay. This, this will still relate to you whether or not you've ever swung a golf club before. Uh, the, this term, uh, par, it, it's, it's used in different ways, but one of the ways, one of the definitions of the word par is, is this. It's the score standard for each hole of a golf course. So if you, if you, or even the standard score for a first class player. So, for example, if the 18th hole on a golf course is a par 5, what that means is it should take you, uh, it should take a first-class golf player no more than five strokes to, to get the ball in the hole. Okay, If you get it in five on a par five, you've scored a par. Okay, uh, Par for the course, if we use that phrase, it, it typically means we're saying something is not unusual. Okay, It's normal. Okay, Par for the course. It's normal. It's acceptable. That's the idea with that word as it applies to golf. Now, for the pros... Like the most, the very best elite golf players in the world, they consistently finish under par uh, in in their tournaments. And on great days, they they may even score well under par. So they've uh, they're not just normal; they're pros because they're better than that. So they it doesn't if if it's a par five, they may get it in four strokes. And so over time, they really their score is well below par. Now, if I score. If I, I'm not a golfer, okay, and I'll just first admit that. I've played golf before, uh, several times, but I, I, I don't play it often enough. But if I, if I score a par on a single hole, like I, I hit the normal requirements for a, for a, a hole, then here's how I feel. It's like, yes! I'm normal! <laughs> it's, it's, you know, all of a sudden, I morph into a pro out there because I just got par. Now, par is, again, it's just acceptable. It's normal. But, you know, I'm pretty happy with if I score a par. If you follow golf, you don't want to, you don't just want to watch normal golfers. You want to see those, you know, those athletes who consistently come in well under par. And if you come in under par on a, on a hole, they give you special names for that hole. So, like, a birdie is under par. An eagle is under par. Did you know that there's some other terms, though? There's the albatross and the condor. Did you know that? Look it up. <laughs> I'm not making it up. Look it up. No, I mean, there are these special, apparently everything tied to a bird there. Eagle, birdie, albatross, condor. Uh, so, the, the, you know, if you score under par, you get this special title for, for, that, for that hole. Uh, but even with a club like, like this... I still struggle on the golf course. I mean, I just have a hard time. I'm all over the place when I get up to tee off. And I don't know if you've tried to play golf lately, but it's really difficult. It's a very difficult sport. We actually have some uh, two golf instructors as a part of our church, and there's probably a handful of just steady recreational golfers in our congregation. But if you're a golf fan, you, you, you watch these players, these athletes, on these beautiful courses. Here's a picture of a, a PGA course in West Maui. I mean, beautiful course. Look at that. Beautiful views. You've got the, the, you know, the, the grandstands cheering on the pros. And, and I actually got to play on this course one time 15 years ago. I was working in a sales job, and one of the guys that I was working with, he was a member of this club. And so he invited me to play here at this, it's called the Plantation Course. And at that, 
And at that point, it hosted the Mercedes-Benz Championships. Now it hosts, it hosts a different championship now for the PGA. But it's one of the PGA stops. It's got these amazing views. Really challenging course. It took a long time to complete the course. Uh, he probably regretted inviting me to play because it took him a lot longer. I was just trying not to make a fool of myself, too, because it was, you know, that just amazing. But for real golfers, this is kind of what they're used to. This is... Part of the privilege that they enjoy regularly is seeing these beautiful courses. And if you're a pro, then you also have something like this. You have a caddy who carries your bags for you. They do the hard work of lifting your bag and carrying it around. And, and they're also trained to know the course as well, know your swing well, know which club you ought to use. They know the distance of where your ball has landed in relationship to the hole. And so the caddies, that's again, that's a perk and a privilege of being a pro golfer. I don't have a caddy. I don't have a personal caddy. Um, I don't think any of you do, actually, in this way. But, uh, you know, we see the privileged few on TV, and we don't often think about how they arrived at that place of privilege. Like, how does a person qualify to be a pro on the PGA Tour? They actually have to go through these qualifying schools and, and score fairly low, and it's only this really elite top group that actually qualifies to play on the PGA Tour. Now, shift away from golf for a moment, which some of you, that's easy to do. But have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought, how does God grant more privilege to people? How how does God do that? What is he looking for in our lives to determine who gains more privilege and who doesn't gain more privilege? Who gains more influence and leadership and who doesn't? The Bible is really clear that God is the major factor in the level of privilege that you'll enjoy in life. God is the major factor. He's paying attention to how you live your life. And so it's a real advantage to us to know what is God looking for in our lives when he's qualifying us to have more privilege and influence in life. Whenever we see someone with privilege in life, whether they're at the top of a business or an organization or a top athlete or a government leader, they're at the top, we tend to focus on the perks that they get to enjoy. Oh, it must be nice. Must be really nice to be in that position. We tend to focus on even the money. Like, wow, it must be nice to, to make that kind of money because they probably don't have to, you know, they can spend whatever they, you know, whatever they want, they, they can just have. They can enjoy without any concern because of all the money that comes. That's the perks of the, of the job or the perks of that privileged role. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what does the Bible tell us that God is looking for as he qualifies people for privilege, for more privilege and more privilege. And what what does that really look like? And so I'm going to introduce you to a principle that we're going to work with through this whole series of messages, and it's called the PAR principle. And I would encourage you to write this down, okay? And so here's the PAR principle. For our purposes, PAR means this, privilege, accountability, and responsibility. Privilege, accountability, and responsibility. And what we see in the Bible is we see that privilege should always be matched with equal parts responsibility and accountability. So in any given area of life, and so shift away from thinking about golf and think in in these terms, okay, privilege, accountability, and responsibility. In any given area of life, like here's a picture of the par principle in balance, you enjoy, in any given area, you enjoy the privilege at a level that is aligned with a certain amount of responsibility and accountability. You have responsibility that you're bearing, and along with that comes a certain level of accountability that is tied to that. 
So privilege is in line with accountability and responsibility. For example, at work, oftentimes, uh, if you're a student and you enter the workforce, you enter usually into an entry-level position. And as an entry-level worker, you have a, you have a low level of responsibility in that organization. You're new to the company, you have a certain level of responsibility, but it's usually starting out at a pretty low level. There's a certain level of accountability that is tied to the responsibility, and so you see PAR at the bottom. It's, it's low, it's in line. And if you keep that responsibility, you bear it well, you're accountable, then what happens is you get the privilege of a paycheck. They say, here's your, here's your paycheck. You, you've done well. The par balance is an equal, you know, it's, it's, it's equal. Now, over time, if you work, if you work really hard, uh, they may say, hey, well done. We're going to give you some more responsibility. So they increase the responsibility. With that increased responsibility, you now have greater accountability. Someone's checking in on you at a greater level because of what you're now being counted on to do. And with that, they give you a raise. They say, hey, you've done well. You've done, you're doing more for us. You've been accountable. So you get this increased level of privilege, accountability, and responsibility. As your privilege grows... It has to be matched with these other pieces. Okay? Now, whenever these are not aligned, and sometimes you see a person who has a lot of privilege, but they're low responsibility and low accountability. So here's, here's another chart. Whenever they're not aligned, that's not right. It's not right. Sometimes people gain privilege, but they try to maneuver their way around bearing anything more. Or, or they're just not accountable. They maneuver their way around accountability. And whenever the par balance is violated in life, and someone has high privilege but low responsibility and accountability, the process of judgment begins resulting in the loss of privilege. And I'm going to show you how that flushes out through this whole series. So whenever it's high, uh, it's usually not a good thing when a person's unwilling to bear the commensurate Accountability and responsibility. So that, that's the par principle. That's what we're going to be looking at in this series. You're going to see this show up in the Bible. As you get into the Bible for yourself, you start seeing, wow, this person was responsible, accountable, and they gained more privilege. And then, you know, the more responsible they were, the more responsibility they were given. And their influence is tied to that. You see that in characters in the Bible. You see that in instruction in the Bible. And you're going to see that in a passage that Jesus addresses. Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be talking or looking at today and in the coming weeks. But this, this key passage, uh, Luke 16, is where Jesus, he's teaching this, he's teaching several principles, but this principle certainly shows up. And he's, he's spending time with his disciples and it's near the end of his ministry. And this question is on everyone's mind. The question of how do I gain more privilege? How do I gain more status? That's, that runs through our minds as well. How do, I, how do I grow my influence? How do I grow my leadership? And so the disciples were asking that question, and Jesus addressed that question many times. So Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. Let's take a look. It says this. Jesus says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. It's pretty straightforward. Sometimes we read the Bible and it's difficult to understand. This, this isn't one of them. This is pretty straightforward so far. Verse 11, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, though we shift gears now a little bit, who will trust you with true riches? Okay, so there's this, there's this uh, 
responsibility. There's a test going on. And then verse 12, And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So God pre-qualifies for privilege through testing. This is in your listening guide here. He pre-qualifies for privilege through a series of tests. And that's what we're going to look at today and each week in this series. The first test that God uses to qualify people is the, is the test of faithfulness. Are you faithful? This is how life works. If you're faithful in handling responsibilities in your role, you will grow in responsibility. And as you grow in responsibility, your privileges will go up along with... You know, privilege and responsibility will go up together. At the same time, you'll be held accountable at a higher level. God made life to work this way in the tangible and even in the spiritual arenas. And so today I want to look at uh, the short game. And so, verse 10 is where we're really going to focus and really talk about what does it mean to be faithful in the little things. Uh, in, if we're faithful in the little things, we'll be faithful with much, Jesus says. And in golf, going back to that for a moment, in golf, the short game for golf, When I, if you were to say, hey, a player short game, what, what are we referring to? Putting, right? The putting green. The putting green is that the short game, and a you know a player's short game has the most impact on their score. And the tournament is either won or lost on the putting green. The shorter strokes actually do make a difference. So we're going to talk about the details, the little details in life, and how it makes a difference. Uh, next week we're going to look at the long game. And Jesus in verse eleven he talks about the way we handle our worldly wealth and how that is actually a test. Money actually pushes a handful of heart issues to the surface in our life. The way we handle the resources that we have been given responsibility to steward, it's a, it's a big test. Do I really trust God? Or do I really trust in the mighty dollar? What do I trust more? Who do I trust? And this is a critical leadership test. Will I steward and manage well the resources God has entrusted to me? He holds back greater privilege from those who, who fail this test. Uh, November tw- 11th, we're going to look at carrying another's bag. It's like the golf caddy. Verse 12 of that passage, Jesus talks about how you need to be faithful with someone else's, with someone else's property, someone else's possessions, their stewardships. God is actually looking for us to be faithful, uh, to be tested and be proven faithful in someone else's organization. Before you get your own Responsibilities. He wants to test you to see how you handle their responsibilities. And so that, there's really practical implications. Then the last week we're going to talk about this whole process together. And what is God's path to privilege? But I want to look at the first area that Jesus addresses in verse 10. And here's the point of verse 10. Proving faithful with small details is the first test to pass. It's the first test to pass. Am I faithful in the small? More privilege comes in life to those who over time passed this test. Look at verse. Look back at verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. What happens with little is, is a forecast of what's coming down the road in the future. Do you want to know if someone is promotable? Well, pay attention to this test. Jesus has given us a clue here about if, if, that, if this person is promotable. Do you want to know if you're a person who will be promoted in life someday, who will gain more and more influence? Well, how are you handling the small details that you've currently been given responsibility over 
right now. Not just down the road when you're in the dream job or in the dream life, but right now, how are you handling the small details that God has said are your responsibility? This word, what is this word, little? Whoever can be trusted, this passage actually reads very little because in the Greek, the Greek word can actually mean insignificant or trivial or the idea is this, this, is a some, this is something of very little importance. So what are, what are those things? What would you say are the, if you think about it for a moment, what are those things that you would just say, they're so trivial, those details are insignificant? The little things are often what we overlook on the way to the bigger and to the better things. The, all of us have little things, very little things in our lives that we're tempted to just gloss over or rush past. And the, the thought comes up, why would I bother with this little thing? It's just going to slow me down on the way to the prize, on the way to the thing that I envision that I'll be doing. This is pretty much, i got a video clip for you. It's a fun video clip from a movie from a few years back. But this is pretty much the attitude that this golfer had regarding his short game. He's not concerned with the short game, the small details. So take a look at his attitude and his approach. said, huh? Just use your shoulders to push the ball, not your arms. Don't break the wrist and bring that putter back whoa, just whoa, whoa. like... You're confusing me. Just let me put the ball in a hole. All right. player and so he gets up to dr- to drive the ball off the tee and he just can drill it further than anyone else but you put him on the putting green and everything falls apart his short game he's like why bother with the putting why bother with the little things several years ago we our church we have we we have an office that's uh we had an office at that point in canyon crest and we had an intern years ago who was hoping for more well for great privilege and great responsibility right from the very start. And since we work as a staff with this principle, of the PAR principle, of, of testing for faithfulness in the little things, uh, we, we would ask any of our interns to do some things to just to test for, to see how they handle the little things. So this person was asked to do some, what for him appeared to be mundane office work. And he was training for ministry, and so in his mind, he probably thought, no, I have other things I need to be doing right now. But we said, well, we want you to start by doing this office work. And so he would show up to work, 
And he just didn't like it. And he made it really clear with his body language. And even he would just like let out these big sighs. He would sit down at his desk and be handed his work for the day. And he would just go. And I remember just walking by and I just see this guy huffing and sighing and just taking and belaboring the whole process of everything that he was asked to do. And one day uh, he was confronted by one of my staff members regarding his bad attitude and his approach. You know what he did? He got up. So I don't have to take this. He stormed out of the office and he, he never came back. <laughs> he never came back to the church. He never came back to the office. Uh, whether you're training for ministry or business or family life, if you rush, if you just rush past the little things, opportunities for real growth and blessing will just pass you by. The, the little details really matter. And there's a testing that's going on in our lives. So here's an important principle to grasp. Exercise the same diligence in matters entrusted to you, no matter how big or small. So this is a challenge for me personally, to keep the quality of my work up, regardless of the size, you know, whether it's the size of the room, the group, the size of the responsibility. This is a real challenge to say, keep the quality of your work high and steady. Be diligent. If someone is in charge of human resources, in charge of hiring for a company, and they're looking at a resume, they might be tempted to look you know, only at the education or the awards or the skills of this applicant on the resume. But do you know what is probably the most important part, the most valuable part of a resume? The experience, the references. The, the, the past references. What has this person done before and how have they, have they been faithful? You, you know, if you were to be an HR person, you call a previous employer. Usually when you make that call, a lot of times the previous employer has no idea they're looking for another job. Um, but, you know, if the HR person asks, hey, how has, you know, how has Bob been at, at handling the details of their job? Oh, Bob doesn't deal with the details. Bob rushes past the details. Bob's, Bob's looking for the future dream job. Oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. That's helpful. That's helpful. Or, man, Bob is so thorough in the details. Bob keeps his work high. His attitude great. He's just steady. He's a hard worker. Man, we don't want to lose Bob. What usually happens is then that person goes to Bob and says, look, I know you're looking for a new job, Bob. And I'm going to sweeten the pot. And I'm going to give you a raise. You're, you're just too... High, you know, your quality is too high to lose you. And so what, what would it take for you for us to be able to keep you here? So Bob gets the opportunity to decide because Bob's been faithful with the details. See, sloppiness in the details is a forecast of the future. Bigger and better opportunities aren't going to just morph a person's character into all of a sudden them being, becoming someone who's faithful. It shows up in the details. The first, you know, the big question is, have they passed the test of faithfulness before, in the past. If they have, then that person is, is highly sought out because people desire to know and work alongside faithful folks. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. King Solomon, he said this, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? I mean, think about that. Across the board, a faithful man, who can find? Someone who is faithful. In our world, faithful people are like gold. It's really rare to find someone that they can really be counted on. And whenever you do, you treasure that relationship. 
It strengthens our heart. When we connect with people who are faithful, not perfect. That's what, that's not, don't think of this message as about perfection or perfectionism, but faithfulness. When you relate and you know a faithful person, it strengthens your heart. So how do you become this type of person? There's some starting points. Qualifying in the little things. Here's some things to consider. Don't leave small jobs undone. Oftentimes, small jobs left undone create major problems in the long run. Uh, it's like, for example, I, my house has a lawn, front and backyard. If during the summer months, if I don't regularly mow my lawn, a jungle starts to grow in my front and backyard. It's a big jungle. And sometimes I've neglected to, to stay up on the regular assignment there. And then what happens, I get out there with my mower finally and I start mowing down my jungle. And what do I do is sometimes I clip a sprinkler that was popped up that I couldn't see had grown up in the jungle. And I don't even always realize it until you know, I see the flooding a few days later. So there's this impact on my pocketbook because I'm spending the time working on the sprinkler not only that, but then maybe there's some loss of, of, of water, and so I've got to pay a higher water bill. If I could have stayed up on the details. It's a small example, but it's, it's, a det- or it's, a, it's an example of the minor details. Or a small job left undone. Or like not paying bills on time. Anytime any of us here forget to pay a bill on time, past the due date, what happens? You get the penalty. You have the fee. Well, not only do you have to pay this, you know, amount, but now tack on $50 more or $25 more, depending on who it's to. Again, this impacts. Anytime we leave the small jobs undone, there's an impact on our family. Or even just taking a lazy approach just in our, in our finances, not staying up in our finances, staying on top of the details. That will bite into your pocketbook as you overspend by not realizing the condition of your finance. I thought we had more money than we did. Oh, I didn't realize we're, we're out of money for the month and we've been spending like we had the money. And so, it's just an on and on. You might, some of you I know are good gardeners. I'm not a good gardener, but I do know some good gardeners here in the room. And, and for those that are good gardeners, they spend a lot of time preparing the soil and planting the seed at the right time, knowing the right season to plant the seed. But if you fail to, to finish the irrigation, fail to figure out how to water those plants, then your garden will yield very little, if anything. All because the job was mostly done, but not completely done. And so, what are, as we're looking at this area, what are the small responsibilities, the small jobs in your life? I mean, your parents, your students, your, your bosses, you, your employees. Uh, what are the small responsibilities to your role that require care of finishing right now? And think about that. What are those things that maybe there's a neglect... You know, maybe for the students and the professor says, is teaching on something and, and it's kind of boring. But then there's something exciting the professor begins to instruct on. You're like, ooh, that's really exciting. I'm going to really focus there. But you neglect the, the less exciting stuff and the test comes. You know, the, the professor's testing for what he's been teaching or she's been teaching. And so that really segues into this next point. Don't forsake the mundane for the more exciting. This can show up all over the place. The mundane are those things that they're the details that we, that we have to manage and stay up on. Something exciting comes along, it draws our attention or our focus away, and we can neglect the mundane. It could be that you really are wanting to upgrade your car. Maybe you don't need to upgrade your car, but you're really, your eye 
is drawn towards the shiny new cars that you see on the roads. And you're in your car and it's working. It's reliable, but it's, it's not shiny anymore. It's not very exciting anymore. And the temptation is to drop the mundane maintenance of, of your existing vehicle, my existing vehicle. Things like oil changes, air flushes, tire rotations. We can drop the mundane things and it forces us to drop a lot more money into something new only to repeat the cycle again because, again, the mundane chores on that new car will begin the moment you buy it. And so the details really do matter. This same can happen at work. You get bored of your mundane responsibilities and then your boss says, hey, I want you to handle something new and it's really exciting. And you're like, I love that. I've been waiting for something like that. So you start focusing here, but you drop the ball on some critical responsibilities in the mundane, and your boss calls you in to talk, and you think, man, he must think I'm killing it over here. You walk into that meeting, and he says, you know what? I'm going to have to let you go. You're like, but I was doing great. Yeah, but you dropped the critical responsibilities. Because with responsibility, as you're faithful with these responsibilities, you get more responsibilities and more responsibilities. There's just more to manage. There's more to keep an eye on. Here's another aspect of this is in our relationships, this point of faithfulness. Be the faithful one in your friendships. Be the faithful one. Things like, and I hate to say it because it's, I mean, with the details, this stuff is so convicting, I think, personally. But punctuality, it may seem like a minor issue, but it's a matter of faithfulness. If you're late and no one is perfect and, and life is unpredictable, but still goes a long way to acknowledge to a friend, hey, I, I'm sorry, I made you wait like that. I don't know, just ask you to forgive me. It, when we put someone out to actually just make that right, clear that up, punctuality, a, a good question to consider in our friendships or in, in this area is just, do I keep my word? Am I a good friend? Do I keep my word? Returning calls, communicating, returning things that we've borrowed. I mean, just being faithful with the little things. This whole area probably has your mind racing. For me, it's had my mind racing as I've been uh, praying and prepping this week because of how many things fall into this category of the little things. But this is the first test that Jesus addresses. For those who want to gain privilege in life, you, you have to pass the test of faithfulness in the little things. This is, this is connected. He is guaranteed. Sometimes, again, if we, if we rush past the responsibilities and accountability and we just try to grab for privilege, it results in loss of privilege, and sometimes lots of embarrassment. And so, as we wrap up, on the back side of your listening guide, we put some lines here, just for you to list out your, just begin listing out, what are your current responsibilities in your role? Think through, what are the little things? I just encourage you, jot down a few of the little things in your life. What, what is little details, when Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little, what does very little mean to you? Maybe jot down one or two on those lines to begin to consider what this looks like. Now this is the first test to pass. Next week, and the test gets more challenging. Next week's test is even more challenging than this test. But here's some next steps to consider in in taking response to this message. Just build out a to-do list of little things in my life. Maybe you've started that list right now. I would encourage you to, to... Get away, get some time alone, and just try to build out this list. Ask God to help you plan out your approach to addressing the little details, 
the first step is just to begin to get a grip on what those are in your life right now. And this changes. So maybe just taking a thorough analysis or, or just taking a look at what are your current responsibilities in your role right now. And then second, be faithful with, and then fill in the blank, what is the number one area maybe that's been coming to your mind that you sense, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. This is a core area you want me to be faithful in. And maybe it's something that's been neglected recently or maybe an unfinished area, a project, or maybe it's just something that's maybe the first area to focus on. And then this last would be to memorize Proverbs 20, verse 6, that passage from Solomon, but a faithful man who can find. So uh, let, let's pray. And what we need in this area is we need God's help to remind us and to strengthen us. So let, let's ask him. Father, we just right now we just thank you for uh, this group. And we, Lord, as we look at this passage that Jesus used to train and shape his followers, um, we can't help but be reminded of the, the role, the responsibility you've given us right now in life. God, it's very, very easy to rush past the details just in pursuit of the dreams. So, Lord, I pray this is, this is a very real area of growth and, and development. And so, Father, I pray you would find us faithful. As you examine our lives and our handling of of what you put on our plate, Lord, I pray that you'd find us faithful. We need your grace and your your mercy, Lord, to uh, recover from days or seasons where we've dropped the ball. So we ask you for that, Lord, for, for, for those that are maybe feeling beaten up. Lord, I pray they would receive your grace and begin to get a grip on Uh, the new direction, Lord, that you are leading them in. And Lord, help us, Father, this week to not just uh, tuck this away, but really to, to take some time to examine this and get alone with you and respond to you in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.